Good morning. Welcome to Zion on the second Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, before our worship, I just have one announcement for you, which is a reminder that newsletter articles are due today. So let Rose know if you have something to go in the newsletter. Uh, are there other announcements or prayer requests from the congregation? Yep. I have a mistake in the bulletin that I want to point out. Uh-oh. Everybody else does. Your reservations are due today for the pain of sin, but the yep. actual thing is on this Friday. Friday, yep. Other, other announcements for us? All right, if there's nothing else, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and minds as we prepare for worship and listen to the prelude. I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are Thought, word, and deed, by all we have done, 
the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
Let us pray. O Lord God, we bring before you the cries of a sorrowing world. In your mercy, set us free from the chains that bind us and defend us from everything that is evil. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading is from Isaiah. I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask, to be find, found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. I held out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and offering incense on bricks, who sit inside tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat swine's flesh with broth of abominable things in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. See, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their laps their iniquities and their ancestors' iniquities together, says the Lord, because they offered incense on the mountains and reviled me on the hills. I will measure into their laps full payment for their actions. Thus says the Lord, as the wine is found in the cluster, and they say, do not destroy it, for there is a blessing in it. So I will do for my ser servant's sake and not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah inheritors of my mountains. My chosen shall inherit it and my servants shall settle there. The word of the Lord. We will read responsively Psalm 22 verses 19 through 28. But you, O Lord, be not far away. O my help, hasten to my aid. Deliver me from the sword, my life from the power of the dark. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of wild bulls you have rescued me. I will declare your name to my people. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord give praise. All you of Jacob's line give glory. Stand in awe of the Lord, all you offspring of Israel. For the Lord does not despise nor abhor the poor in their poverty. Neither is the Lord's face hidden from them. But when they cry out, the Lord hears them. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I will perform my vows in the sight of those who fear the Lord. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of nations shall bow before God. For the belongs to the Lord, who rules over the nations. The second reading is from Galatians. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. 
But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. The word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Then Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now, there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise I invite you to be seated. Children, I invite you to come forward. Sorry. Our gospel story this morning tells an interesting story, a story of a man who Jesus heals. One of the interesting things about the story is that Jesus heals this man, and it's a man that everyone in his city knew had problems, serious problems, that he was really afflicted, and he was sad, um, and he was just known throughout the city as someone who really had problems. And Jesus heals this man um, makes him completely normal again. And this man loves Jesus. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. But the story is interesting because it tells us that everyone else in the city 
was afraid. They were afraid of Jesus. Even though he had healed this man that they all knew was not well, they were afraid of Jesus. They were afraid of his power. Right? And the root of that fear was they did not understand who Jesus was. They did not know that Jesus had come for their good. That Jesus had come to save them. To free them, to heal them. They just saw Jesus as powerful and they were afraid. Well, the story goes on to tell us that the man who was healed wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to become his disciple and go wherever he went. But Jesus, again, surprisingly tells him, no. He says, don't come with me. Rather, go back to your city and tell everyone about me. Tell everyone the good things that I have done for you so that they will know who I am. And that's what the man does. He goes back to his home and he tells everyone, okay, the guy that you were afraid of, he's actually good. His power is good. He's come for us to save us. Well, as Christians, that's part of our identity and who God wants us to be. We are people that he has freed and healed. He's forgiven our sins. He's freed us from our sins and he's given us new life. Right, but now, Jesus sends us out to wherever we are to tell of his goodness, right? Because there are people in this world who don't know Jesus. They don't know that Jesus is good. They don't know that God is for them, that God wants only to save them, to heal them, to give them new life. And so they don't know exactly who God is. So God sends us out as witnesses. God says, tell the world what I do for you. Show the world that I'm good. Right? So we think about how can we show the world that God is good? Right? Well, we can be kind people ourselves. We can be forgiving people. We can live in a way that people say, oh, that person's different. They're kind. They're good. They're forgiving. Right? Uh, You know the song, This Little Light of Mine. Right? What are you going to do with this little light? Let it shine. Yeah, not shine. That doesn't work in the meter of the song. Right? Let it shine. Yeah. Um, Let it shine. That's what Jesus calls us to do, to be those lights in the world, to show his goodness. All right. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, help us to be the lights that shine in your world, to show people your goodness and to declare to the world all that you have done for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in their own way, answer the question, who is Jesus? In Luke, one of the clear answers that were given to this question, who is Jesus, is that Jesus is one who comes with true authority. And so we come to a part in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is beginning to announce that he has come as the true authority in this world. And so for a little context, the story that precedes our Gospel text this morning is when Jesus and the disciples embarked to sail across the Sea of Galilee. Well, you know this story. And so as they set sail... Jesus sleeps 
although storms are raging on the lake. And so the disciples become panicked and they wake him up because they're scared. And with Jesus' word, the winds cease and the chaos is put down. Peace and order are established. And that story ends with the disciples marveling. Who is this that even the winds and the water obey him? Well, we see in that story that Jesus has authority over all creation, over nature itself. Well, now Jesus and his disciples have crossed the lake opposite Galilee, and they're in a region of Gentiles. And so the Messiah, the king of the Jews, heads into Gentile country, and the disciples have to be wondering what they're doing here among the pagans. Take notice of the first word spoken in our gospel reading this morning. It's not Jesus who speaks, but it's the man who is possessed by demons. When the man sees Jesus, he says, or perhaps the demons say, we're not sure who's speaking, what have you to do with me? The presence of Jesus evokes a defensive response because the demons believe they are in their domain, their place, the place where they are supposed to be the place where they're supposed to be safe from God's word, from the intervention of God. Yet Jesus has come to where they are as the one with true authority. The people of the city have chained this afflicted man naked among the tombs. The man might as well be dead. He can no longer live in the city. He can no longer live in a house, in a home. He can only abide among the dead. And this is where the demons belong, among the dead. That's where they seem to thrive. Certainly not in worshiping the living God. They don't thrive in safe communities and homes and structured society. But they're thriving in death. And if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, we can see that the serpent, Satan, appears in the garden not to bring order and better life for Adam and Eve, but only to bring them away from God and into death. In fact, Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And so a turn to the demonic, a turn to Satan, is a turn away from life and a turn toward death. Right? It's the same evil that we're seeing in our Gospel story, the same evil that brings Cain to kill his brother Abel, the evil that leads Pharaoh to slaughter Hebrew children, the evil that leads King David to murder Uriah, the evil that leads Judas to hand over Jesus to a certain death. If we were to hold up the magnifying glass to death throughout the scriptures, we see that Satan's fingerprints are all over it. And so the demons then are quite justified in asking Jesus, what have you to do with me? They are certain that the territory of death is theirs. The tombs is theirs. They know God is the God of the living, not the dead. But surely he doesn't belong in the tombs with a man who is as good as dead. Often as Lutherans, as good mainline Christians, we shy away from talking about the demonic, about evil personified, and the ways in which evil makes itself manifest in our world. However, we cannot read the gospel accounts and conclude that somehow Demons are not real. Demonic activity is not genuine. But I wonder in our world if we're seeing demonic activity in what John Paul II calls the culture of death. 
Right? He explained that the culture of death thrives wherever life itself is opposed, such as in any type of murder, genocide, abortion, euthanasia, willful self-destruction, whatever violates the integrity of the human person, whatever insults the dignity of the human, such as subhuman living conditions, arbitrary imprisonment, deportation, slavery, prostitution, the selling of women and children, as well as disgraceful working conditions where people are treated as mere instruments. These are the things that poison humanity. And every one of us, I think, could list the ways in which the culture of death affects our communities, our country, our world. We know the realities of mass shootings. We hear about the abuse of children. We can read about the conflict in Ukraine, and the list could go on and on. But what our text shows us is that the presence of Jesus is the presence of light and life, even in those demon-infested tombs. Jesus has authority not just in the places where he's expected to be, like the synagogues, the temples, among the Jewish faithful, but Jesus has unquestioned authority in the places where he is not expected. In the tombs, Jesus has unquestioned authority to order the demons to leave the Gentile man. Jesus comes into the tombs, he opposes death, he opposes evil, and he brings life. When the people from the town had heard Jesus cast out the demons that plagued this man, they came to see for themselves. And they found, they found the man wearing clothes. They found him serene, calm, peaceful, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that's the picture of life, to be found sitting at the feet of Jesus because his presence brings life. The Apostle John calls Jesus life made manifest. In other words, when we see Jesus, we see life itself. The man who was as good as dead now sits in the loving embrace of life itself. The God who commands the winds and the rains, the God who orders the demons to flee, brings life out of death. The theologian Robert Capon notes, that Jesus has come to raise the dead. He doesn't come to teach the teachable. He does not come to improve the improvable. He does not come to reform the reformable because none of those things work. And so in our culture of death, we may wonder, does Jesus belong here? Where does Jesus fit into the evil that's all around us? Well, the answer, the Gospels give us is clear that Jesus is in the midst of it. Jesus is not overwhelmed. He's not despairing. But the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Lord has conquered it. And as the church, we are also called to bring life into the tombs of our culture of death. Jesus most certainly has authority in this church, but he has authority in all of our communities. He has authority over all of creation. And as ones under his authority, we're called to live as examples of life, of life itself. Right? What does Jesus tell the healed man to do? He says, return home and declare how much God has done for you. Well, that's our vocation too. We are to share the life-giving story of Jesus to a world chained by death. And so wherever death is lingering in your heart, know that Jesus has authority over it, right? Where there is sin in your life, Jesus 
forgives it. Where you are despairing, where you feel abandoned, Jesus brings hope. Where the consequences of your past mistake are telling you that you might as well be dead, Jesus invites you to have abundant life at his feet. You cannot be too far away, too hidden, too broken for Christ. Because Christ is the true authority in this world. All is under him. And he is for you. Amen. Let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God.
Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Gracious God, your Son sent a man formerly possessed by demons to declare how much God had done for him. May your church also, rescued from the snares of the devil, proclaim how much Jesus has done for us. Lord, in your mercy. Compassionate Father, from whom all fatherhood is named, we give you thanks for earthly fathers. Give them confidence in their station and zeal for their task to care for their families faithfully. Make them examples to their children of godly life and love of your word. Bless their work of bringing up children in the fear and instruction of the Lord, and give them the comfort of absolution over all their shortcomings and sins. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, you have established governments and institutions for good order and our well-being. Guide and grant wisdom to leaders, especially our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael. Give peace, security, and good laws to our country, our cities, and our communities. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, your Son Jesus had pity on the man afflicted with demons. Have mercy now on the afflictions that beset Amanda and Denny, Steve and Nancy, Barb, Ray, Melissa, Marilyn, Landon, Nancy, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, and all for whom we pray. Give them healing, strength, and an increase of faith. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, Isaiah spoke of the new wine, full of blessing, that will not be destroyed. Grant us faithfully to eat and drink our Lord's own body and blood given in the fellowship of this altar. Lord, in your mercy. Dear Father, you know the condition of our souls, that we frequently wander into sin, vice, and danger. Hear our prayers for the sake of Christ who defeated legions of demons so that we might receive adoption as children. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending Holy, mighty, and merciful Lord, heaven and earth are full of your glory. In great love you sent to us Jesus, your Son, who reached out to heal the sick and suffering, who preached good news to the poor, and who on the cross opened his arms to all. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his death, resurrection, and ascension, we await his coming in glory. Pour out upon us the spirit of your love, O Lord, and unite the wills of all who share this heavenly food, the body and blood of Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
congregation. I invite you to stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this, through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Peace, serve the Lord. <laughs>